Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Here, you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Today's message was given by a special guest, missionary to Brazil, Ron Weber. This message was given on March 6th, 2022 during our Sunday evening service. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Thanks so much, we love you. Well, it's good to be here with you tonight, and uh, it's good to have the teenagers with us. Now, I don't know, when I was a teenager, I remember at Calvary Baptist Church growing up there, and on Sunday nights, once a month, the teens had the service, and the pulpit wasn't quite this heavy. It was one of those um, small pulpits that you put on, and I was 15, and I was so scared. There was about 400 people there that night, and all I can do is remember my knees were shaking, and I grabbed hold of the, that little pulpit, and I went over about 10 steps all the way down, and everybody started laughing, and so I figured after I made a fool of myself then, I can't do anything worse than that, but um, it's good to have the teenagers with us, and Trust it'll be a blessing tonight. We want to try to do the, the service tonight in two parts. One, preaching, and then one, showing you what God has done. And so I want our focus not to be on Ron and Kathleen, please. May it be on God and for God's glory and for your giving what God has done in Brazil. And it's all about God when people are being saved. It's not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. And let me give you a couple illustrations before I get into the message. When we were going on a trip, we stopped for a, at a gas station to put in gas, and this man inside had these two deer heads with about eight or ten horns. Now, I'm not sure. How many of you men are hunters? I went one time in my life, and I went early in the morning before the sun came up, and I came back at night, and I never saw anything. And I said, this is ridiculous. Give me a ball, any kind of a ball, a basketball, a soccer ball, a football, a golf ball, a tennis ball. But I said, hunting for me, and people said, well, sometimes you go and you just don't see anything. Some, we sat in a, in a deer hut or whatever it was and waited for those deer to come by, and they must have known I was out there because they never came by. But anyway, he had these two huge deer heads. And I said, sir, I said, I'm, I'm amazed to see these two deer heads. And he said, let me tell you the story about that. It was the most exciting thing of my life. He said, just two months ago, I went hunting, and I killed both deer on the same day, and I was so excited, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And so then I, I thought, and I said, Sir, could I tell you the greatest thing that ever happened to me? And then went right into the plan of salvation and shared Christ. And so it's, it's I guess God has given me a gift in different ways to be able to share Christ. And the most recent one, I don't think even some of you know, I've had uh, cancer removed five different places and tumors. I have a cross on the top of my head. And while he was cutting out the squamous cancer, I was witnessing to this the surgeon that was there. I've had it also on my wrist. They cut one tumor out, and when they were cutting it out, there were four more, and so they had to give me more anesthesia and cut it out. But uh, the most recent one was on my chest, and I was lying on the surgeon's table, and he was numbing me, and he began to ask me about my family, and I told, told him about my family. And those of you that were here on a Sunday night, I think in January, our daughter Christina, so our oldest daughter, and Julie was here. He spoke, and she translated Tremendous Juana ministry in Brazil. They've been there for 27 years. Our youngest daughter's in Guatemala. And then at one time, we had a daughter that went to Africa and another one in Portugal. So we had four daughters in four different continents, and we didn't get to see each other very often. 
but it made, made a dad really proud to see that their kids were serving God and willing to, to give up the life that they have here to go somewhere else to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But anyway, I was telling about my family, and I said that we buried a son in Brazil, one that was, was born, and he was doing fine in the incubator, and they took him out of the incubator to move him to another hospital, and he passed away. And he said, you seem so calm about talking about that. I said, yes, sir, when you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, no matter what comes into our life, we realize that God has a purpose. And so I went right into the plan of salvation there, lying on the, the surgical table, sharing the gospel with the surgeon and the man that was there. So God can give opportunities, no matter what it is, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be looking at a passage tonight for about 15, 20 minutes. Then I want us to see what God has done. The, if you don't think of anything else tonight, remember the two words, but God. Now, I could tell you a lot about your pastor. because. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that you don't know, probably, is he was on my basketball team when he was in eighth grade. But he reminded the deacons or the elders back there that he set the bench. But he did get in whenever we were behind by about 20 points, and there was no, no choice. We were going to lose the game anyway. He did get in the game, but he was an excellent Bible student, and uh, just seeing how God worked in his life. I know his dad very well. Cornerstone supported us ever since we went to the field. We appreciate so much what you've done for us, and, and uh, I'm writing my second book, Lord willing. It'll come out at the end of this year. It's called Missionary Surprises. And one of the things that, that missionaries come across in surprises was when you leave the field after spending nearly 40 years of giving your life, that uh, most churches drop you like a hot potato. When you come back and you don't realize all the expenses that you have, and in the book, we're so grateful. We've had $22,000 in dental expenses, but we have met a Christian dentist that grew up in Venezuela that has a trust fund, and he's paid for every dental expense that we've had. Uh, Besides Social Security, for those of you that are in Social Security, you know that it doesn't cover everything. So we have to have supplemental insurance. And so what your church gives and others is just enough almost to the dollar to pay for the supplementary insurance that we had, the surgeries and other things that we have. And so we're grateful that uh, churches don't forget about you when you leave the mission. And retired is in quotation marks. I think I'm serving just as much in our local church. We're involved in, in ministry, both my wife and I there. When the pastor's away, I preach. Uh, we have a ministry with uh, uh, the elderly. And in this nursing home that I go to speak at on Sunday afternoons, can you believe the average age is 92? And they can't read, but they can sure sing. The ones that are Christians sing those old hymns. And they, we sing the old rugged cross and the hymns that they know. And they do it all by heart. And it's just a blessing to be able to minister. And so... We also go back to Brazil. Before COVID hit, we would go one year to Brazil and then one year to Guatemala. So we're learning Spanish because we have four grandkids that are growing up in Guatemala that speak Spanish. It's a little bit different than Portuguese, so we've been working on that. And uh, it's exciting to be able to go, go back and see what God is doing. Uh, I preached this morning at Pastor Greg's church in, in Calvary, Calvary Bible in Ellerslie. He is, his son graduated, I guess, from some... Uh, rangers, I'm not sure what rangers really are. It's some kind of military. So he went down for his graduation, and so I'd phoned him up, and he said, come on and preach for me. And so I, was, I preached there, had a great time this morning there, and then I talked to your pastor, and, and I'm here tonight. But uh, God is a, a great God, and God works in wonderful ways. 
You're going to see pictures tonight that bring tears to our eyes when we look and see about what God did in the life of people. Some of them were so deep in sin, I mean, alcoholism, drugs, and uh, they ended up getting saved, became deacons in churches or serving God. And so you may not see, I know it's a Southern Baptist church, I think that you still give like 10% of your tithes to missions, and then uh, you've taken a few other missionaries on. But it's wonderful to see with your own eyes what God is doing with the, the funds that you give. And uh, we listened last night, we, every day we listened to a Portuguese message. And last night we were listening to a boy that was saved when he was seven in Awana. He's now a pastor and was preaching in a conference, and it's a wonderful thing to see how God has just developed him. And so don't give up. We may have some Billy Grahams over here and, uh, and uh, D.L. Moody's and some other people. When I grew up, I was probably one of the most timid teenagers there ever was. To get up and speak in front of people, my hands were shaking and my knees, and I said, I can never do that. But, you know, after you do it several times, it seems like God just gives you the ability, and, and it's all about him that's able to share forth Christ. I also know Dave Hummerson very well. He and I were visitation partners. So we went out sharing the gospel here in many, many homes and uh, saw people come to Christ. And so because I've had some problems recently fainting, so I don't want to stand up here and have to faint and have taken out. I was taken one time out in our church in an ambulance because I hit my head. I've asked Dave to, to read the scripture tonight, and then we'll get right into the message. And then after that, you're going to see some of the pictures of what God has done there in the land of Brazil. So Dave, come on ahead. Yeah, the passage uh, Ron's, uh, I assume, going to be preaching on and wanted me to uh, read tonight is uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. If you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 2. Is that where we're going to be this evening? Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 10. A pretty familiar passage and, and portions of it very familiar. So I'm going to read that now. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this passage that you've, uh, you've inspired, or your Holy Spirit has inspired uh, uh, Brother Ron to preach on tonight. Lord, we pray, uh, we pray we'd all receive a blessing, Father, from he for hearing e even these familiar uh, words, these familiar verses. Father, there's, uh, there's truth in them that uh, because of what's in them, Father, we have eternal life. And there's nothing we can do to earn that, Father. It was a gift, and it was by grace, and we receive it only by faith. And we pray if there's anyone here tonight who's never 
trusted in Jesus Christ personally and have a personal relationship with, with, uh, with Jesus who died on a terrible, rugged cross and shed his blood that we can have eternal life and that that blood was accepted by you for as a sacrifice uh, and, a, and to take away an atonement for our sins. Father, if, if there's anyone here tonight or is listening that's never had that, that, that happen, they've never personally trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, may tonight be that night. Maybe you use uh, the preaching of uh, Pastor uh, Ron to, uh, to bring someone to the saving knowledge of the Lord. And Lord, we just pray these things in the, in the precious name of Jesus. We pray our fellowship uh, would be blessed tonight and the time we spend together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Well, just before we get into the message, too, somebody, I can't remember who was giving the announcements, talked about Weight Watchers or something, if you want to lose weight. Well, I determined I'd never been over 200 pounds in my life, and I got up to be 224. And it was more like being a couch potato, I guess, when I wasn't preaching. And so I decided I needed to work out and go on a diet. So now I've lost 30 pounds. I've been going to the YMCA for two to two and a half hours, Monday through Saturday, and watching what, uh, what, my, what my wife gives me to eat now. Sometimes it's not very much, just a little bowl of salad for lunch and, and uh, a bowl of pudding sometimes for supper. And so I, I don't have a lot to eat. So she's rationing what I eat so, besides the workout, I guess. And I went to the doctor and he said, Ron, you're doing great. You lost 30 pounds. You've got another 15 to 17 to go to get in, the, in the, reach, the weight limit that you need to be for your height. And I said, I said, doctor, if I lose another 15 pounds, I'm probably going to be a skeleton. You won't be able to see me. But uh, keep at it. I didn't think I could lose that much. I started the 1st of August, and I've lost 30 pounds. And, and uh, it's something that I, you have to discipline yourself. You're going to be there every day. I get up some mornings, and I'm, I don't feel like going, but I say I need to go. And it's like the Christian life. You know, you, you, sometimes you may not feel like reading your Bible or praying, or you don't feel like going out and talking to people about Christ. But, you know, it's something that we need to do, and it takes discipline on our part to be willing to, to take advantage of the opportunities that we have to share Jesus Christ. Well, let's get into the message tonight because I know the young people are probably looking forward to seeing some of the pictures. Right? Preaching is boring sometimes. Is Pastor Nick boring when he, when he speaks? Well, they won't, they won't say it in front of him anyway. He's right here. But anyway, some people are starting to look at their watch already. Are we going to be out of here on time? And uh, I assure you we will be. But um, we'll see if she can keep up with me. And some of them are bullets when we get, you know what a bullet is, right? Not one in a gun, but one when they go one by one. So, no, missions is the heart of God. There we go. So missions is the heart of God reaching the world for Jesus Christ. When we think of, of 2 Peter 3.9, you think of the verse, For the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even when God desires all people to be saved, it does not mean that he will save everybody. People must either accept or reject the gospel. Our responsibility is to share forth Jesus Christ, and God's Holy Spirit is the responsibility to work in their hearts and draw them unto salvation. Matthew 7, 13, and 14 is a very familiar verse, verses that we have, which says, Enter ye into the straight gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go therein. Because straight is the gate, and there is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So we think about our responsibility of sharing Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people. 
Now, sometimes you may have gotten discouraged. I remember here uh, getting, going to a house where the man kept slamming the door in my face all the time. And his wife was so faithful at church, and he had never, ever attended a church service. One Easter morning, he walked into Calvary Baptist Church without his wife even knowing. She would have to leave the service 15 minutes early because he required that lunch be on the table at 12 noon. And he walked into the service, and he walked the aisle. And uh, I think Scott and Crystal probably know, and Dave, when uh, Mr. Donnelly got saved on an Easter Sunday, he came and sat in the very back of the church and walked the aisle and trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He became very active in the church, very faithful. And so God can do miracles. Sometimes you may have relatives and you think, my dad was saved. I prayed for my dad for over 30, 35 years. Some of you may have known Mr. Weber there on Joe the Motorist when we came into Cumberland, if, if you're living in this area. But uh, I lived in a home where swear words and shoes were flying one side to the other, smoking all the time, in the, not by me, but by my dad, by my mom, by my brother. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, is God ever going to... And God worked in his life. And he phoned me up in Brazil one time, and he said, Son, he said, for the first time I saw myself as a sinner. A deacon from my sister's church came and shared the gospel with me, and for the first time I... I saw myself as a wretched sinner needing Christ as my Savior. I repented of my sin and turned to Christ. I thought it was some emotional experience. Do some of you remember back, way, way back, when they had evangelistic services at the, at the fairgrounds and Dr. Van Impey was there? Any of you attend those, any of those services? Okay, yes, ma'am, she did. Well, I was a young pastor in Romney, West Virginia. And when he finished, he said, if there's a loved one or somebody that you know in the audience, Maybe if you left and went and talked with them, they would come with you and receive Christ. And so I left the platform as a young pastor, went up there and met my dad and threw my arms around him and said, Dad, will you come with me? You need Christ. And he pushed me away and he said, Son, just forget about that. I don't want that stuff. And I was embarrassed and he, he thought I was embarrassing him, but I had such a desire to want to see him come to Christ. So tonight, I want you to realize it's not Ron Weber converts or Kathleen Weber converts. It's God's converts. It's God that has to do the work. If it's not God, they're not going to last. And sometimes we think, you know, that we have to do it. We're, we're so desirous. If I could have asked Jesus Christ to come into my father's life, I would have done it. But it has to be something the Holy Spirit works in his life and draws him unto himself. And so missions is what God is all about, whether it's here at home. When you leave the doors of your church, you're going into your mission field. You don't have to go to Brazil or Africa or Asia or any part. When you leave here, your neighbors, the people you work with, uh, those around you, if you go to school. I remember one time a man got saved, and he came to work, and he, did was, he started witnessing right away to his neighbor that was working. He said, man, I, I just trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm so excited God gave me a new life. And he began to tell about all the things. that He said, I've been a Christian for 20 years. And he looked at him and said, we've worked together for 20 years and not once have you ever mentioned the name of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if some of us are going to be ashamed at that day because we've been afraid to open our mouths to, to share with people. Some people may scoff, some people may laugh, some people may put us to shame. But you know, if we're doing what God wants us to do, and if your friends have the responsibility to either accept Jesus Christ or reject him, so missions is a part of what God wants done. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 also says, 
For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Go ahead to the next slide. Whoops, okay, I guess there's some not there. That's all right. Um, and so God desires all men to be saved. His, his desire is to see those people come to Christ. But, you know, all people aren't going to be saved. There are those who are going to reject the gospel and die in their sins. And uh, I want to say infelizmente in Portuguese. To be unhappy that they're going to die and spend eternity in hell because of the rejection of Jesus Christ. Our responsibility is to share forth the gospel. Let God and his Holy Spirit do the work in the lives of the people. So tonight... Uh, when we're thinking about the message, I want you to think about two questions. What is the work of a missionary in missions? And what is the work of the Holy Spirit in missions? And I think sometimes we as missionaries or as Christian people want to try to do the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, you know, it, uh, uh, just getting people to come or to raise a hand and there's not been a changed life, I think a lot of times that's what happens. People uh, make some easy believism decision then they don't continue on in the faith, and people look and say, well, they lost their salvation. Well, most of them weren't really born again in the first place. Amen. Because if they're really, truly born again, they're going to follow Jesus Christ. They're going to have a desire in their heart. I remember as a 12-year-old boy, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, the Bible became such an interesting book that I couldn't get enough of reading and understand, wanting to understand. Every church service was important to me, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I didn't want to miss because I wanted to learn more about the Bible and about God and what he could do. So faithful sharing the gospel, the good news as missionaries and as Christians is so important. Okay, now we'll move to the next slide. The first three verses, whoops, excuse me, first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2 talk about the conditions of the sinner. So I want you to see who we're dealing with. When you're sharing the gospel, we need to consider the conditions of the sinners. Number one, and if you, have, you don't have a pen or you didn't get a paper to fill in, it says they are dead spiritually and therefore unable to have a relationship with him. The Bible says that they're dead in their trespasses and sin. When a person is dead spiritually, they can't understand. Don't be, be uh, uh, amazed when you're witnessing to somebody and they just can't seem to get, you know, we're sharing the gospel and it's so clear to us but to them, they're dead spiritually. And unless Christ opens their mind and their eyes and God opens their eyes to the gospel, they're not going to come to Christ. And so we need to realize that they're dead spiritually and therefore unable to have a relationship with Christ. And secondly, they are deceived and unable to understand their true condition. To be deceived is to be misled or led astray. I think of, of people such as the Mormons, Jehovah Witness, Catholics and other people that have been brought up from the time they're, they're babes and that's all they know. So they're being deceived because they don't get into the word themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life. Their parents are Mormons. In fact, Mormons, I think, if I'm right, don't they have to give at least one year or two years of their life to missions, I think? Does anybody know for sure? Two years of their life to missions. You know, and so... A lot of people that grow up, that's all they know, and they're deceived and unable to understand the true condition that they're spiritually lost without Christ. They're good. Mormons are usually good people. They're dressed well. Um, you talk to them. But to, for them to see their condition as a sinner, a lot of times they don't because they're deceived. They think that they're doing the good, good things that they need to do, 
They're serving the two years on the mission field, whether it be in Brazil or Africa or here in America. So being deceived, Satan is the great deceiver. The Bible says that Satan deceives, and even the elect, he, he tries to deceive. So we need to be on guard against our enemy, as Satan is our enemy. Then it also says, number three, they're willfully disobedient, not doing what they know to be right. They're disobedient when they come to an understanding to, to realize this is what I need to do to actually be saved, to repent of my sins and turn to Jesus Christ. They're disobedient and they want to go their own way. They're not willing, a lot of people, to change their lifestyle, to go the way that the, the, the Christian needs to live. They say it's a boring life. You know, it's an exciting life, young people. If you get into serving God, it's exciting to be a, a Christian. Don't think that you can't, all the things you can't do, think of all the things you can do as a Christian. There are a lot of things that we can do that uh, it's exciting to be a Christian, but uh, they're willfully disobedient, not knowing what they ought to do. Then fourth, they are defiled and unfit for God's holy presence, living according to their selfish desires. Defiled means to make unclean or impure, to be corrupt. And so they're defiled and unfit for God's holy presence. They're not willing to tell. There are some people that, that like a lifestyle of, of drinking and drugs, and that's their lifestyle, and they don't want to turn from their, their sinful ways to turn to a Savior. You know, that's, that's the way that they, they want their life. Then fifthly, they're deserving of eternal punishment. The fifth D is they're deserving of eternal punishment. It's not that God doesn't love them. It's that God loves them and he's just and he's going to do what he says he's going to do in the word of God. And uh, I can remember when I was saved, the pastor was preaching on hell and I've seen very few messages about hell and what it really is like and what the Bible describes. The Bible actually talks more about hell than it does about heaven, about people that are going to spend eternity in that awful place. And so we see they're deserving of eternal punishment as children of wrath. But in verse 4 is the turning point. And that's what I want you to see tonight, the two words, but God. They're sinners. They're blind. They're, they're being deceived. They're dead spiritually. They're destined for an eternity in hell. But God can change that. And so we need to consider the second point, God's love, mercy, and grace to save. In chapter, I mean, verses 4 through 10. Once all are lost in sin... But God supplied a divine formula for rescuing his people. He's the only way. He's told us in the Bible how you can have your life changed, how that Christ can come into your life and, and give you a new life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, old things doesn't necessarily be, well, I was a drunkard and now I'm going to live for God. I want you to know that what the old thing in my life was, was sports. Sports was a God in my life. And God had to take away that from out from under me to get me to the place, I think, where he wanted me to serve him. I played basketball and baseball, and I had an opportunity in baseball. We were 34-0, and we went to the Little League World Series in 1960 to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Have any of you been to Williamsport? People think that Little League around here is something, but when you get there, it's really different. And I also played basketball, and, and uh, I sometimes, I, know, I can remember Scott playing, and we went, we'd go to someone's house. But you would shoot after school maybe two, three hours, just shooting basket after basket. 
You know, if you're good in high school, when you go to college, you get the best of the crop. Then if you want to go from there and have an opportunity to play in the NBA, you have to really make, make an effort. And so sports became a god in my life. And so it doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs or anything else. Video games, your computer, uh, your cell phone, all these things can become a god in your life if that's what controls you. And uh, some people, and I know young people, because I have 17 grandkids, and my teenagers couldn't go anywhere without a cell phone. I go to their house, and we're sitting across the table, and they're texting me, Grandpa, can you do this? And I said, I'm right here. Can't you talk to me? And uh, they're, such, they're, you know, they're out of it. They're in their own dream world, I guess, so to speak. And uh, that's what happens. But God can do a miracle and do anything. Maybe some of you have a relative, you say, there's no way. That's the way I thought about my dad. My dad, for 25, 30 years, I prayed for him. He fell in the ice. He smoked three packs of cigarettes a day, so they put him in. When, when he fell in the ice, they took him into the emergency room because of cracked ribs. And when they took him there, they found out that one of his lungs was completely cancerous, and they were going to have to do surgery right away. So they did surgery and took out one of his lungs. They took out a piece of his second lung, and they told him, they said, Mr. Weber, if you don't stop smoking, you won't live a week. They say that, you know, if you smoke and you're addicted, that it takes a while to, to quit. He just took the whole pack of cigarettes and threw it in the waste can. Never smoked another cigarette. And he lived for 11 years. And it was 10 and a half years later when he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. So God had a plan for his life. I can remember when he got saved and my home pastor said, Ron, we're flying you home to see your dad. You've you got to see the change in your dad's life. When I came home, we'd go in the car and ride for a half an hour, and uh, we would pray together and read the Bible. And the last words my dad ever told me before I went back to Brazil, son, we'll meet in heaven. Go and preach the gospel to the Brazilians. And he died five months later. But God has a plan. Don't think that it's impossible. God's Holy Spirit can send someone at the right time to minister to that person. So God, in his mercy, has, has done a great work. So the next thing... Uh, is God working in the second one. His great love, his rich mercy, and his grace combined to produce a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. God's unsacrificial love. God loved us so much. His mercy is compassion, forgiveness shown towards someone when it's within his own power to punish. What we all deserve is to spend eternity in hell, but God in his mercy has allowed each one of us to live. And then his grace, unmerited favor, is doing good uh, for those who don't deserve it. You know, we don't deserve anything from God, but because of his grace and his undeserving favor towards us, God loves us and, and shows forth mercy and grace. Number three, believers will be raised from the dead at the return of Christ. But Paul also states the truth that Christians have new life in this age and even now share in Christ's authority. So we need to realize that we, need to have a, we have a new life. One day we're going to have a glorified body, and I don't know what that's going to be like. But we need to be like Christ now. We need to be lights in this world and to be testimonies for Jesus Christ. People need to look at us and see that there's a difference in our life. Amen. As I go to the YMCA to work out, uh, I talk to people about Christ, and people are looking there, and when they find out I'm a preacher, the first thing that usually comes out of their mouth, what are you doing here as a preacher? I never heard of a preacher coming here to work out and to, 
And I say, well, why can't I work out and lose weight? And, and just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean that I can't, can't keep this physical body. And you know, our physical bodies are important. If we don't keep our physical bodies right, spiritually, we may not be what we're doing, what we're supposed to do. The Bible says that, that uh, exercise profiteth little. We need spiritual exercise for our spiritual lives, but physical exercise is good for the body, it's good for the mind, I can think better when I come home. The older you get, the, the, the more you forget, the easier you forget. So DJ's still in his young years, and uh, he probably don't need, he doesn't need any notes when he preach, preaches. But when you get older, you sort of need that security of having a little bit of notes beside you to try to help remind you and keep you on track. So uh, we see that, that God has, has worked in our lives. And number four is the truth of salvation. It's the gift of God that comes by grace through faith, an example of his exceeding rich kindness that believers will never completely fathom, even though they will have eternity contemplated. You know, God is so kind and gracious. I think so often we think of, of all the bad things that happen to us. We need to think about the kindness and the goodness that God is to us. And then the next one, Christians are saved for good works, not by their works. Their works are a natural outgrowth of a relationship with him. They are empowered through the Holy Spirit. So we're not saved because of our works, not by works of righteousness, which he has done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. But as a result of our life as a Christian, there should be good works that people may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So truly we're, we're born that we might glorify him, and it's a wonderful thing to see that God works in our lives. And then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do what we need to do. And then fifthly, F, the word translated workmanship is a Greek word that's there, poema. What does poema sound like to you in English? Poema would be what? Poem. And so it's root of the English word poem where God's people are his masterpiece. God is still working on me. I'm a piece of work, and God is still working to change my life. You know, even though I've been saved since 1960, there's still a lot of areas in my life that I need to work on. One of the areas in my life was prayer, and I made a, a vow to the Lord in January. We make those commitments that I would spend more time in prayer, and so I've been able to get up uh, early in the morning and spend a couple hours in prayer, not only for our family and for our church family, but for those in Brazil, and to spend time with God, to have that relationship with him. So we think about missionaries, about pastors. The next slide will show you. The Greek word is doulos. Doulos is a servant. And um, see if I got up my notes. I can't read it back there. Can you read it, DJ? Is it too, does the print too small? Huh? Yeah. The doulos is servants, but can you read the English underneath it? Right. So that's what happens when you have glasses and you can't see as well. You don't have it written down in your notes. So you can't see it. But God wants us to be a servant. When I die on my tombstone, I just want the words, my name, date of birth, when I died, and the word servant. I want people to remember me as a servant, one that was willing to serve God and to be faithful to him. So we think about the words. We're going to go right now into the second part of seeing what God has done. It's all about God. I'm going to be reading about uh, 
different ones that come to know Christ as Savior. And um, maybe I should, should I step back out of the way over here so you can see better? And so we'll just go one by one and see what God has done. I'll try to read some of these. And uh, if some of you like sports, some of them were saved out of sports. And uh, Julu and his parents. Do you remember Julu was here with Christina? He doesn't speak English, and so she had to translate. Julu now married our daughter Christina. They've been Awana missionaries in Brazil for 27 years. We visited in their home after his first visit to our church. We shared the gospel with him in his home, and he heard the message, gospel, salvation message several times. Julu, after seeing the film, The Burning Hell, on a Wednesday night, was gloriously saved. His parents are Aldenora and Souza, who were very strong Catholics. After a birthday party of one of Julu's children, at which both Julu's parents were present, his mother stayed overnight while his father went home. The next morning was Sunday, and my wife presented the plan of salvation to Aldenora, Julu's mother. I felt led of the Spirit to miss Sunday school and went to Souza's home to present the gospel to him. Praise the Lord, both were saved the same morning in different places. Missionaries need to be sensitive to the leading of God's Spirit. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Awana stands for approved workmen are not ashamed. Okay, the next one is Otacilio. Otacilio. His house was on the way to church as we went walking to our church. His children attended Sunday school, and while my wife helped their mother get the kids ready for Sunday school, I witnessed to him. After stopping many times to pick up the children when I had time to share the gospel with him, Otacilu finally agreed to come to church Sunday night with his family. One Sunday night service in Brazil, it's like a Sunday morning service here in the States. After attending several months and hearing the word of God preached, the Holy Spirit convicted him of sin. He repented and trusted Christ as the Lord and Savior. He was discipled and later became a deacon for many years in the church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The word go is not an imperative tense in Greek, but an imperfect tense, which means as you are going, witness, evangelize, and teach God's word. Okay, the next slide. Kirinu was a wicked man who often beat his wife after drinking. His wife would come to church with bruises and sometimes a black eye. I met him for the first time at the 15th birthday party of his daughter. After talking with him about his wife and three daughters attending our church, I invited him to come on Sunday night. To my surprise, he showed up with his family. He attended faithfully for over a year, hearing God's word preached. After a little over a year attending faithfully, one Sunday night he stood up in the service and said, I need to be saved. Praise God, he was gloriously saved, and to my knowledge, never missed another service. Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and our outdoor services. He did three Bible study courses, one on salvation, one on Christian living, and one on doctrines. Then he became baptized and was discipled and became a leader in our church. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, next. Shikon came to an outdoor service when a mission team from the States was sharing their testimonies as I translated. Shikon came on a motorcycle and asked one of the American men if he would ride on his motorcycle back to his house. This was his first contact with the gospel. He was a heavy drinker and smoker. Kathleen started visiting a neighbor on Sunday afternoons and invited him and his wife to do the Source of Light Bible courses. I made many visits to his home sharing the gospel. Sometimes the smoke was unbearable. He started coming to our Sunday evening service with his wife, and she was saved first. 
He attended for over a year, and he was saved at a New Year's Eve service. God enabled him to quit drinking and smoking, and he was trained and became a leader also in our church. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All, behold, all things have become new. The next slide is Alci Vaughn. Alci Vaughn was one of the richest men I ever met in Brazil. He owned a large company and owned five houses. He lost it all gambling. He was sprinkled as a Catholic, and then as a little boy was sprinkled again in the Presbyterian church. He thought that would get him to heaven. His wife got saved in our church, and he would bring her to church in his car and then return home to gamble. One Sunday night, when he came to pick her up after church, I met him and asked if there was a night I could come visit him. As I presented the plan of salvation, he wept, asking if God could ever forgive a sinner like him. He was wonderfully saved, and after showing him believer's baptism, several months later, he and his wife were baptized. He was the treasurer for seven years and later became a deacon in the church. God's power truly does save lives. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Mark 10, 25. Next, Charles, and we heard him preach not too long ago, uh, visit our church as an adolescent. He asked for an outdoor service at his house. We had outdoor services once a week. The night scheduled for the service, it poured down rain more than three inches in an hour. The streets were flooded because of poor drainage system. Several church members phoned to ask if the service was canceled. I phoned Charles, and he said he still wanted to have the service as he had put up in this porch, 50 chairs in his porch area. It continued to rain, and only about 20 believers showed up from the church. At the conclusion of the service, he raised his hand to be saved, and showing him the plan of salvation afterwards, he trusted Christ as his Savior and was born again. He went to Awana in the youth meetings. I had a hermeneutics class on, on teaching to preach. We had learned how to prepare an outline to preach. He was exceptional. He went to Bible college and later became the pastor of this church, one of the churches that we started, and was privileged to develop. Today, besides his ministry as a pastor, he also has a radio, daily radio ministry where he reaches thousands of people. And to things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Victor. Victor grew up learning verses in Awana. He grew up in the WANA program as a child. He later became a leader in the WANA program. Later, he became the president of the young people. He was gifted in speaking and now is fulfilling uh, the role of a pastor in a church that's without a pastor. Next slide. Another young man in the same church, Alexandre, is also doing some of the preaching in the same church. And so seeing that these kids growing up in the WANA program, seeing them develop their lives and become leaders in the church, so that's what it's all about, mentoring young people. The young people that are here today are going to be some of the future leaders in your church. Train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Next slide. Some of you teen guys may really enjoy soccer. I did as well. Carlino was a professional soccer player. His wife was saved in a couple's charismatic Catholic Bible study group. Later, she had many questions, when the, which the priest didn't answer. She lived near our church, so one day she stopped in and asked if she could set up a time with me to answer some of her questions. I said, how about now? After showing her scripture verses to answer her questions, she started to attend our church with her three children. Carlene was always playing a soccer game on Sundays. I visited the family and invited them to come on Wednesdays. He was saved after a Wednesday night service. Praise the Lord. All three children were in Awana, and now their oldest son is a pastor and helps in seminary. He is also one that uh, when Cornerstone brought a team to Brazil, uh, he was the chauffeur, and uh, they decided instead of having money for their own selves, 
that they would raise money to bring him to the States. And I don't know if DJ was at, at Cornerstone at the time. His dad was the pastor there. But anyway, he came with his whole family to the States. And they had a, a soccer camp with all the high schools, Allegheny, Ford Hill, uh, Mountain Ridge, all went to ACC. And he had over 200 high school kids and uh, 50 soccer balls showing them different skills. And then they would have a devotional, and there were 45 young people from the public schools that were saved. Also, when they brought him to the States, they had, I think it's called Woodstock, is that right? Youthstock. I said Woodstock. Yeah, Youthstock. <laughs> Youthstock. And anyway, they had about 400 young people for that week. And they had 100 young people in the auditorium listen to his testimony and me translating. They had 100 in the gym. 100 outside, and 100 eating pizza. So you can imagine having pizza for 400 young people, and they had subs for nights. And there were 35 young people at Cornerstone that were saved during that time. So Carlinas has really grown in the Lord and just seen what God has done in his life. Okay, the next slide. Jaza. Jaza um, was led to the Lord by her, by her mother. Her husband, Georgie, was a Catholic and promised his parents before they died that he'd remain a Catholic. Every time I witnessed to him, he would say to you, you have your religion and I have mine. Even with this thought, he read the Bible every day. His two children were saved in Awana. Today, his son, Eager, is deacon and, and occasionally preaches. Erica, his daughter, is married to a pastor, Georgie, and starting a new work in Brazil. Uh, Georgie was saved some 15 years after his wife. Jaza was wise, and when her husband would say, stay home with me on the Sunday, she obeyed. I encouraged her to obey her husband, as stated in 1 Peter 3.1. Ye wives, be in subjection to your own husband, that if, they obey not, that if any obey not the word, they also may hold the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Georgie was saved when a speaker at our church visited his home, and he trusted Christ as Savior. Today he is the leader of the men's group and is faithful to all the services of the church. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says, I have planted, Apollo watered, but God gave the increase. Next, Katya was mentored by my wife. They worked together teaching children in Sunday school, one and Dale Vacation Bible School, as well as weekly ladies' Bible studies. She formed a ladies' choir and sang special numbers. Today, she's a pastor's wife who mentors younger women, who mentors younger women in the church. The aged woman... Likewise, they that be in behavior are becometh, as becometh holy, not false accusers, nor giving to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And so you older women have a big responsibility in teaching some of the younger women uh, the skills and things that you have. The next slide. This guy could dunk a basketball, something that I wished I could do all my life. And uh, I could get the ball up to the rim, but I could never dunk it. But this guy had a tremendous leaping ability. His name was Eliakim. He grew up in the slums. He started coming to Juana as a 14-year-old and was saved. While visiting in his home, Ron had to duck his head just to get in. He did well in school and passed the college entrance test. He taught himself to speak English and learned it very well. An uncle invited him to work in a big city and helped him start a business with computers. He was even able to buy a car and was getting sidetracked with his walk with God. We continue to visit him and share the need to return to God's house. 
Finally, he gave up the computer shop, sold his card, and answered God's call to go to Bible college. He met a fine Christian girl and married after his graduation. Today, he's a pastor in a small interior church and doing a great job. He calls us mom and dad since we discipled him. We pray for him, his wife, and new daughter every Tuesday morning and send messages to encourage him in his first pastorate and challenges he faces. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are clean. The dead are raised up. The poor live. The gospel preached to them. So I want you to see God can work in great ways. You know, it's not about us. We're not any great people. We're just a common, ordinary people just like you. But just seeing that, that what God can do in the life of people. And the next slides, I think, is going to show you some of the work of a missionary. Number one, the work of a missionary is to spend a lot of time in prayer. To pray that God would work in their lives, that the Holy Spirit would minister to them. Then it takes a lot of visit. One big difference between your pastor and a missionary, we probably spend 75% of our time going to people's homes, visiting, sharing the gospel. We have to prepare messages to disciple, but we spend a lot of our time visiting, being in people's homes, getting to know them, finding out what they're, they're dealing with, what problems they have with their young people. Witnessing, evangelizing, sharing Christ. That's uh, a main focus that we have wherever we go. People, beggars may come to our door, and we may give them food, but we also give them a track and share about Jesus Christ. Disciple and teach them. You know, when new people get saved, it takes time to disciple. So a missionary's time is involved in discipling, teaching them that they might grow up to be the men of God, just like you have elders and your deacons in your church. Uh, somebody had to invest in their lives. I trust that there were people that mentored them, that came alongside, and helped them to grow in their faith. And then a missionary also teaches them to get to the place of baptism. This one man, Elsie Vaughn, was, was sprinkled as a Catholic, sprinkled as a Presbyterian. But once he saw from the word of God that baptism was immersion, he was willing to obey God and follow God in, in, in baptism and immersion. And so we try to get people to, to not only get saved, but to get them to follow through in baptism. And so if you're not baptized, you need to see Pastor BJ so that you can get baptized. But then after that, it's not just getting baptized. We want to lead new believers to join the local church, to get involved, to be ministering, to serve, to not just sit and be spectators. You know, if we're going to do the work of God, it's going to take each of us to do our part. Some of you, I was in the church this morning, and a man said, I just can't teach or, or preach. And I said, you don't have to do that. He said, but I can clean the gym, and I can uh, uh, vacuum the, the carpets of church. He said, I can't sing a tune either. And brother, you've got a great voice. I said, uh, not everybody can sing. I said, if we each, that's why each one of us have our own gifts that can be used of God in the service. And when we all function together, that's when we're working to see the church going forward. D.L. Moody once said, it's easier for 10 men to do, each, do one job well than for one man to do 10, 10 jobs. And sometimes the pastor is so limited that one person has to do so many things that he can't do one thing well because he's so occupied in doing everything else because people won't step up. I don't know if you have the problem in our church, but uh, our church uh, during the morning service we have junior church, and it seems like the same people. And if you can't get anybody, <laughs> they phone. <coughs> we're, <coughs> excuse me, we're willing to do it. But pastor will phone up on Saturday night and say, the couple that said they would do it this Sunday said they're not going to come anymore. Can you get something ready? So my wife gets a flannel graph story ready, and we love to teach kids. And 
But uh, if you're out Sunday morning and you're out Sunday night and out Wednesday night, he wants us to be at least be in one of the services. And so other people are going to have to step up. We've got young couples in the church that are qualified that could do it, but they don't get involved and don't use their talents for God. And so we all need to be involved in the ministry. And so this are just some of the areas of the work of a missionary. Now I want you to see quickly, and, and we'll try to go through this so we can finish up here. Uh, the work of God and the Holy Spirit is to teach believers all things. Uh, John 14, let's see if I got it here, John 14, 26. But the Comforter, or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, what I have said unto you. And so he teaches the believer all things. We're in the word of God. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And it's sometimes a sad thing to say after being saved since 1960 that God is still teaching me things. You know, I've read through the Bible many, many times and it seems like each time I read, I get more from the word of God and the same portion of scripture and God teaches a new lesson. And so the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. Secondly, the Holy Spirit convicts the sinner of the need for a savior. John 16, 8. And when he has come, he will reprove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And God's Holy Spirit has to do the work. Those pictures you've seen, it's all the, of God's Holy Spirit working in the lives of people. We are just the instruments or servants that God has chosen to use. But all glory has to go to God because it's God's Holy Spirit that works in their lives and draws them under the Savior. Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is to call people to missionary service. Young people. My grandkids say, Grandpa, why didn't you go on? I had an opportunity to go to Duke University on a scholarship, basketball scholarship. God took my knees out from under me because God had another plan for my life. And you know, sometimes we, we need to be praying, God, what do you have for my life? Amen. A lot of times young people are thinking, what's the thing? how can I make the most money? What can I do in life? We don't see many young people today even going to Bible colleges to consider being a pastor or, or a missionary today. And even the challenge to be mission, I could have no greater joy than my children walk in the faith. And when our four kids were on the mission field, one in Brazil, one in Guatemala, one in Africa, and one in Portugal, you know, we didn't get to see them very often. And sometimes it's like, because they all came on furloughs at different times, and it was like 30 years, and we were planning a reunion to get together, and it just didn't work out. But now just to see them and their involvement in, in church ministry, to see our grandkids, there's no greater joy than have your whole family serving God. People that have money have their, their kids that are alcoholics on drugs, living in the world. Uh, they leave at night and they don't know if they're coming back. What a wonderful blessing it is to have your, your own kids and have your own grandkids that you can be assured you know, that, that when the services are, are at a church that they're there. Our kids are all active. Our children and our husbands are all active in the church. And if I was to pick... A husband for each of our daughters, I couldn't have picked a better husband. They're godly men. They have devotions in their home. They serve. They are their leaders in their home. And we as men need to step up and be the men in the house that we need to be. You know, some people say, wow, you have such wonderful kids that are serving God. And uh, what did you do? I said, it took a lot of work. Discipline. I can remember one time when Christina was just like two, and in Brazil we don't have nurseries. So the kids, two and three or whatever, babies have to sit in the services. And uh, I got up to preach, and she started walking around and, and fooling around in the aisle. And so I called the song leader up and said, would you please lead another song? And I took her outside and spanked her and brought her back in and set her in a chair. 
and said, you sit and don't you get up off the chair because Kathleen, was, her mother, was playing the organ for the church. And I said, you're in church service. You need to be sitting and paying attention. And so some of the people in Brazil thought I was pretty cruel. But when you look back now, sometimes the discipline that we need to do to have our kids to be walking with God is what God wants. And so uh, you young people, there's no greater joy if God calls you to be a missionary. Don't stoop to be a king. Being a missionary is a wonderful thing. And then the next one, to lead missionaries to the place of service. You know, God's working in our life. When we went to candidate school, we knew we were going to Brazil, but Brazil is actually larger than continental United States. So where in Brazil are we going? Our mission, ABWE, had seven or eight different locations. And we began to pray as uh, during candidate school is when we're there learning about the mission. They have missionaries that come and present their fields. And after looking at different fields, I didn't say anything to my wife until it was about over. And I said, honey, I think God is leading, leading me to receive it. And she said, I felt the same way, but I was waiting to see. And so God brought that all together to lead us to Recife, where we were for 11 years, saw three churches planted. Then, because we had four children in school, uh, I could teach math and science, and my wife could teach English and social studies. But when you had four kids in school, we were spending so much of our time teaching school at home. I said, these churches are sending us out to be missionaries, to be able to share the gospel. And so we moved to Fortaleza, where my wife grew up, and they had a missionary school there. And it just so happens when I went there that they needed a math and Bible teacher. So I taught math and Bible, and we saw four churches planted there. And uh, we also were asked to be dorm parents. So how would you like it growing up? We had five of our own children, and we had ten teenagers living with us for five years. And uh, you think that's a burden to have all those teenagers. But they were well-disciplined. They knew the language. They helped in visitation. They taught Sunday school. They were involved in ministry. I said, we'll have them in our home if they are involved with us in church planning. And uh, they call us mom and dad until this day. And uh, Lord willing, when my new book comes out, you'll be able to, if you, you purchase a copy, you'll be able to read uh, some of the testimonies of these young people of what God did in their lives. Um, I think of the, the 15 young people that during those five and a half years that lived with us, there's six or eight of them that married in full time and went back into missions. So it's a real credit to see what God does in their life as well. Their parents were missionaries, some of them on the Amazon River. And it took three or four days to get from the Amazon to the missionary school. And uh, I asked the parents to write their perspective. As a mom and dad, how would you think about sending your teenager to a school thousands of miles away where it took four days to get there to be able to just see them? And so we had people from different parts of Brazil that lived with us. And it was exciting. They were part of our missionary team. And, and it just grew and to see what God could do. And so missionaries need to know where God calls them to work. And the Holy Spirit does that. And then number five, the Holy Spirit empowers them. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that does the work. It works in and through us to be the instruments that God wants us to be. Just quickly in closing, some missionary, um, missionary statements. Um, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Amen. Hudson Taylor. Oops. See if I can find here. Because I can't read it back there. So, DJ, I'm going to have to you read. 
Okay. Prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. A.B. Simpson. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. William Carey in India. He is no fool who gives what he cannot do, what he cannot keep to gain that which he can, can. Let me start again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliot, if you remember, he was the one that was killed with the Auckland Indians. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. So I trust tonight that we can be an encouragement to you, and, and we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the continued support that you give. We have contact. Uh, most people in America don't even know WhatsApp is. Do you know what a WhatsApp is? How many of you have a WhatsApp on your phone? We can talk anywhere around the world without paying a penny. So if we want to talk to our daughters, we talk to Brazilian pastors, uh, we give them verses. And uh, last night before I preached this morning in, in Ellerslie at Pastor Greg's church, like I was saying, we had a seven-year-old that was saved that was preaching in the church. And what a joy it is to, to hear what God is doing, not only in Brazil but around the world. Brazil is a country that's still open to the gospel. Uh, we spent 12 of our 16 years in socialism, so we know what they're trying to do to America. It just doesn't work. And, uh, but the one thing that does work is that people are open to the gospel. We sit on the streets and uh, have coffee and cake. We've never met somebody before. They offer us coffee and cake. We get right into the plan of salvation with people. And so it's taking advantage of those opportunities. I think of the verse, I think, in 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify them that you may always be ready to give an answer that has a hope within you so that we can be ready to give a hope of the salvation of what Jesus Christ has done. You may not know a lot of the Bible, but you can say, I know what Christ did in my life. I was in the world, and, and or I was involved in this, and Jesus Christ came into my life. He changed my life, my purpose, my focus, and what I needed to do. Are you making an impact in the world today? Is your life making an impact in your neighbors? How about you kids at school? Does your life make an impact upon other People at school, I can remember when I went to Allegheny High School and I carried a Bible on my books. And people would laugh and, and make fun. And uh, when I played different sports and they could see that, that uh, a Christian can still be a good athlete and participate in sports, they begin to look at it a little bit different. But a lot of people, you know, we, we hide our Christianity. We, we just want to, to be a Christian and be as quiet. Uh, nobody else know about what we're doing. God wants us to be active and to, to share our faith and just to, to let God's Holy Spirit use us as a vessel. And so that's what I want to continue being until God takes me home to be a vessel. My legs may give out. I may have to come the next time in a wheelchair. But as long as my mind and my, my mouth can speak, I want to share forth Christ to a lost and dying world. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you tonight for the opportunity to be together. Thank you, Father, for what God has done in the church here and the lighthouse that it's been to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, if there be one here tonight without Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, their life hasn't been changed. I pray, Father, that tonight they'd be willing to come to myself, to Pastor DJ, to one of the elders or deacons, and say, you know, I need to, uh, to know Christ in a, in a personal way as my Savior. Could you help me, show me from the Word of God how that I can become a Christian? Lord, just bless us now as we go our separate ways. May Jesus Christ be honored and glorified in all we say and do. In his name we pray. Amen.
That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful. Thank you.